Welcome to another Axe Church podcast. My name is Hunter, if you're new with us, and I've got with me our pastor, David Robinson. Um, we are just about coming up on our one year of podcasting. Uh, we started this near Christmas last year, and here we are on, we're not on the eve of Christmas, but we're on the eve of the eve of the eve of the eve of Christmas. So, um, 2018. Yes, 2018. Um, so, hello, future. Um, mm-hmm. Since I'm pretty sure none of you are listening to this before we recorded it, um, hello future, and I hope it's it's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I hope it's I hope it's worthwhile as well. Yeah, we've been doing this. Uh, I think the first one we ever did was on anxiety with what you, me, Kristen, and Glenn, uh, I believe. And I think know. I was not there actually. Oh, you weren't there for that. Mm-mm. I think I hit record and I walked out. It was just me and. Oh, okay. <laughs> you had your, well, you were. I was there. there. Yeah, you was... pushed record. Um, and what, this is number 32 or something. So I think 30, done, yeah, 30, done a little less 32. than one a week, uh, for the last year. And mm-hmm. a couple you know, hopefully the these summer. are, these are valuable to those who are listening to them. And it's just an opportunity for us to draw out some different things that maybe we wouldn't get a chance to really dig into in a sermon or in another teaching. Um, and just kind of also, it's been a way to get to know different people who we've had on the podcast, things right. like that. So what we wanted to do this week is, is, uh, connect with, uh, the sermon from a couple weeks ago when we were in First uh, Thessalonians and we were in the second chapter, verse the second part of the seventh verse through the end of the chapter through through verse twenty, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know we were talking about Paul and 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 him sort of explaining that that he and the and uh, Silas and Timothy and so on that when they had been with the Thessalonians that they were. Uh, you know, authentic, that they were real, that they, that their love was real, that, that there was no, uh, there was no faking. There was no looking for, um, a reward from the people that was physical. Um, that was, you know, they were looking to get rich <clears throat> or powerful or to, to assert authority or to do any things, but they, they really loved the people. They used the, a couple of analogies. One was a mother nursing her children, cherishing them in that way. One was a father sort of encouraging and exhorting um, his, his comforting his children. And so we have these kind of parental analogies of, you know, I, like the way you would love your children. Mm-hmm. That's how I love you. In other words, we're not usually looking to get anything back from our children. I'm guessing that you're, you're 24. I'm guessing that you've probably given much less to your parents financially and so on than they've given to you. Yeah, yeah okay. you might be right there. Yeah, I'm just guessing um, <laughs> that normally speaking, parents aren't looking to their children uh, for those kinds of gifts. They're not, they didn't have children so they'd have somebody to order around. They didn't have children so they could get money from them. They didn't have children for any of those reasons. They had children because they wanted to love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be the good father, the good mother would, would be with their children the way that that a parent would be with their children, which is to say they want to love them. They want the experience of being with them. And of course the joy comes in raising a child well and having them show wisdom and having them show, be a hard worker and having them, uh, you know, serve the Lord and those things. And, and your joy is in getting to see that. And in essentially presenting at the, you know, in the resurrection, presenting your children to the Lord and saying, Hey, these are my children. I, I did what you called me to do. Not that I didn't make any mistakes, but here they are. Um, I've poured into them and, and, and 
they are my reward essentially. And, and we're not just talking obviously about physical children, but those who you've discipled, those who you've uh, poured into, who have grown as a result of that, uh, whether you've laid a foundation, whether you've, as, as, as Paul talks about in First Corinthians, whether you were the one who planted, whether you were the one who watered, God's the one who gives the increase, but you do that work and you receive a reward from it. So um, we wanted to talk about that and just what it means to be authentic as a believer, um, I think it's an area that a lot of us struggle with. Uh, but before we get to that, let's let's pray um, as we get into this. Father, I just pray that you'd be with us during this podcast. Uh, I pray that you would uh, help those who are listening to connect to whatever it is your Holy Spirit wants to um, draw in them and grow in them uh, through this, Lord. And we just pray that we would be authentic uh, followers, Lord, that we would have nothing, no, no fakeness, no hypocrisy in our lives. In your name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here and, and say, you know, I, I, during the sermon a couple of weeks ago, and you can listen to this, it's on, on the same channel that this will be on. Um, you know, I talked about my own, my own history of sort of, I you call it two-facedness, hip, hypocrisy, whatever, where I would be one David with this set of friends, a different David with this set of church people, a different David with this older set of church people than with this younger set of church people and with the friends here and with the guys on the team there. And, that, you know, there were these different versions uh, of who I was, depending on what I thought other people wanted to see and what would have given me success in those relationships, as opposed to just being honest and just being one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sort of pigeonholed my life in different areas let me ask you have you have you experienced that yourself um you know when you were younger or or whatever where you would answer a question differently depending on who you were talking to or you would act a different way depending on who you were around yeah i think i definitely did that Mm, maybe not as like clearly like oh this group and this group but you know there were definitely people in my life who um i treated with respect and other people who were just as deserving of respect um, who I did not treat with respect. Um, I remember, you know, this teacher probably thought I was just an amazing student and this other teacher probably wanted to wring my neck because I treated them so differently even though they both um, were worthy of my respect. Um, Maybe it was because of the group of friends I was with. It was more advantageous for me to uh, get on the bad side of the teacher to get on the good side of the friends or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely um, things like that growing up happened. Um, and I think there's a little bit of of a line between just um, knowing your audience well and being authentic, you know, being uh, uh, yourself. Because I think sometimes we do have to change um, you know, I do speak to people of an older generation differently than I talk to people of my own generation because I know that they're coming from a different background and I don't want to um, speak in a way that is confusing or uh, not clear um, depending on my audience. So it's, it's a little bit of a uh, thing that I still kind of have to watch that. Am I doing this for my own um, benefit or is this me learning to communicate well with this other audience. Um, but yeah, that definitely happened. Um, Let's flesh that out a little bit. Okay. Um, there's obviously, and we may be getting to this a little out of order in, in terms of where, where it might fall in the conversation, but I want to go ahead and hit it now since you mentioned it. Okay. There's obviously a difference between showing somebody respect and that respect requiring you to act differently mm-hmm. than you would act. So if you're out, for instance, I don't want to be too crude, but... 
if you're with the guys watching a football game and somebody has to pass gas, probably okay. Most mm-hmm. likely going to get a laugh. Right. If you're with your grandma, your mom, and your wife at a women's tea and you had to pass gas, you're probably going to hold it. Right, I mean, right. and, and I don't want to make it too crude, but it makes the point, right? There's right. a, you would, hey, you're acting differently. You didn't have any problem passing gas with the guys, but when you're with these people, you, well, of course, because with the guys, you knew it wasn't going to be offensive. Mm-hmm. And with these people, you knew it was going to be offensive. So you're actually, your care is actually for the other person. So you're actually still consistent. You're, you're consistently caring for the people around you. It's just a different way of caring for those you people. You understand that the, that the culture of the group is different and therefore what respect looks like mm-hmm. for one group of people may be different than what respect looks like for a different. If you go to a job interview, you might put on a suit or, or a nice dress or, or whatever. I think you wore a dress when you interviewed here. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. He did not. Uh, but you might, you might dress up nicer for a job interview than you would to go grab something at the store. And that just makes sense for the scenario. It's not about being a different person. You're one person. You're a person who would prefer to be dressed down, but knows that certain you know things require you to dress up. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Um, I don't think that's the kind of, kind of thing that we're talking about. That's not like being dishonest. That's no, just that's not hypocritical. Being that's, sensitive. That's being sensitive. Now, can you take that too far and try to use that blur the line between that and hypocrisy? Sure, mm-hmm. you can. Mm-hmm. Um, the the real question is, is your heart one? I think if we want to just like drill down into it, is your heart one that? Would, has no problem sinning in a particular way, mm-hmm. but would hide that from a group of people so that they would so that they would think, oh, he's not interested in sinning in this way. But truly, you are. And when you get the opportunity in a certain group of people, you will. You will. So let's just say, you know, you wanted to, you were a person who wanted to party and get drunk. Mm-hmm. But at church or around certain people, around your family, you know, for, for all they know, you never drank anything and you and you, uh, you know, you were a teetotaler as far as alcohol went and so on. And you always kept that that up but as soon as you were with your buddies mm-hmm. you know in private or whatever you're getting hammered and you know acting the fool and, mm-hmm. and, and you know being a drunkard right okay that's hypocrisy because right. the truth is you're that second thing you're the you're the person who's willing to party and get drunk and whatever and you're hiding that fact about who you are mm-hmm. in front of some people because you find it to be disadvantageous to you to right. have them think that way about you when the truth is that's really who you are mm-hmm. i would say that's more of the pigeonholing that that I would be worried about um, right. as opposed to uh, being respectful of other people. So mm-hmm. keeping that in mind, now let's walk through that in, in your own life. Was it around mom and dad, the worst thing I ever said was, you know, uh, bottom, but around my buddies, I, I cussed up a storm and whatever um, because they didn't know and whatever. So really, I was a guy who cussed all the time, but in front of mom and dad, they never knew that. I mean, that kind of thing. Did you experience that? Um, n- not necessarily in that way. I do think probably around my school friends, um, I was willing to go to a more uh, crude sense of humor of place, but it, I don't think... I do think that I was fairly consistent on where I drew the line. Um, it just might have, I might have flirted with the line more if I was with uh, friends, you know. Um, so yeah, I but I could see how quickly um, a joke would become less funny if my parents were walking to the room, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that definitely probably would have happened. Um, they just didn't come to my school very often, so that never happened. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes it's like you, you're watching a certain movie and somebody be like, well, would you watch this if your mom was with you? 
And then there's two two ways to go with that. One is I wouldn't watch it when my mom was with me because she doesn't like this kind of violence or whatever, and so it would be disrespectful to her. Right. But I wouldn't care if she knew that I watched it. Right. And the opposite being, I wouldn't watch it when my mom watching it with my mom with me, and I wouldn't want her to know that I watch it. Right. Right. That's there's there's a huge difference there between, um, you know, being like I'm okay. I'm out. I'm up front with the fact that I do this thing. I actually don't think it's wrong, and so on. And I'm trying to hide this thing right. because of how somebody might view me. For instance, like back to like my my situation of how I talk to people, my generation and a different generation. I might talk to your son uh, in a way, and then talk to you in a different way. But I would talk to you both in your own ways in the same room. Like you could observe me talking to your son how I talk to your son and he could observe me talking to you how I talk to you and it wouldn't be hypocritical because I'm not hiding that I'm just um, treating you both with your own form of respect right it's not a shame based thing and it's not an issue where really the issue with hypocrisy or or, or being double minded or being or or being two faced is you're wanting one group of people to believe a certain set of facts about you. That's not true. Right. And then, and it can go both ways. Sometimes people will, you know, actually aren't interested in getting drunk and partying and doing both, but they but they play like they are mm-hmm. around the people who talk like that. They act like they're okay with it or whatever. Or let's say you're at the office and some some guys start talking about something extremely crude or or they start or they start putting their positions out about some issue, moral issue or something that you you totally disagree with them about what they're doing. But because you want to be one of the guys, mm-hmm. you don't say anything about it. In fact, you laugh along with it. You know, somebody tells a a racist joke. Joke or 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 a really uh, disturbing sexual joke, or says that they're pro, uh, you know, extremely pro-abortion, or you know, whatever happens to be, and or you, and you disagree with those things, but instead of saying I actually disagree with this, or walking away, or mm-hmm. letting them know somehow that you're not interested in that conversation, you laugh along and whatever because you're more you're more worried about them and the friendship you have with them than you are worried about. St- being who you are and being serious about that. Right, right. Um, and I thought that was certainly how I was for a long time. So I was really hypocritical on both sides. There's probably some things that I actually didn't go as far as people, but would act like I did. And then other things where I went much further than this group would have wanted and act like I didn't. Right. Um, and and so what happens is you playing start both to, sides. yeah, you're playing both sides and you start to, you're not, you're not a whole person at that point. You're not, a, you're not, you're not living in wholeness. You're mm-hmm. living in a, in a level of hypocrisy. And this is part of what Paul is saying. Look, that's not how we were. That's not who we were. Right. Um, and, and yet I think that a lot of believers, as well as just people in general, mm-hmm. um, live like this. They, mm-hmm. they they live this life. Either they want to keep certain sins. They never want people at church to know about it, but they want to keep them to themselves. Or they don't want their spouse to know about it. Mm-hmm. And so there's all the little white lies about, oh, you know, what'd you do with the guys? Oh, just this, you know, but really they, you know, you were doing something that, that you knew your wife would be upset about or that your husband would be. How is, much, that a, is that a white lie? <laughs> how much? Well, it's a lie, right? In your mind, it might be a white lie. Um, it, or, or the wife coming home to her husband, he's like, oh, what were you doing with your girlfriends? And it's like, oh, just this, but you're lying. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you're talking to that old boyfriend on Facebook um, and your husband's like, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he'd be really upset about it. And maybe, you're, well, it's not that bad. I'm just chatting. You, you understand what I'm saying? These things that you're, that you'd mm-hmm. be ashamed of or that you don't want them to know, you keep hidden um, so that you're really two different people or three different people or 10 different people or whatever it is, um, which I think is then hard to keep track of who you really are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people, the relationships that you're in with people become a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's what Paul is trying to really make the point. That's not us. That's not, 
that's not who we are. That's not what we are. In other words, I'm an open book. Right. And I remember talking to a guy, um, actually another pastor, you know, not terribly long ago, who just kind of was just being honest with me and sort of sharing, you know, I wouldn't, I don't want to be an open book. You know, I wouldn't, I would not want people to know all that's going on in my life. I wouldn't mm. want the people in my church to know all that's going on in my life. And I, and I get it. And it wasn't all about sin stuff necessarily. Some was just privacy and, and so on, which, you know, obviously I don't, you don't need every single thing that ever goes in your life to be completely public. But when it does come to issues of, of say sin or things that they would think were sin or things that they'd be upset about, I think that living that way starts to really drive a wedge between you and the people who you're, who you're in community with or who you're ministering to um, where they don't have access to things that they ought to have access to. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, what's your experience with that as far as the leaders in church that you grew up with, the other believers that you were around, the other friends of yours mm-hmm. that you saw at youth group acting one way and then at school they're acting a different way and you knew about that? Talk to me about that. Yeah, I think one big concern that comes up is people are concerned um, that you are, that they don't actually know you. Um, I could see, especially in a time before social media, I can see the Thessalonians um, going, okay, so this is how Paul was with us. Is he a completely different person outside and we're getting played or something like that? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is especially speaking of of Christians um, and Christian leaders, um, there's a, a certain amount of trust that people need to have that they know the real you. Um, And I saw, you know, um, a lot of kids in my youth group um, who definitely had one way of of living at youth group and a different way of living at school. Um, And it was almost like if I, if I saw both sides of it and they had friends at youth group, I almost felt bad for those friends because I knew that they weren't getting the real whoever it was. Um, They were getting, um, a modified version of them. Um, and a lot of times maybe that same person would go and they'd be making fun of those friends from youth group, um, outside of, or at school, um, because they weren't giving their true, uh, face to their friends in youth group, um, so that they could go do whatever they wanted to do right. with, with their other friends. Um, and I've seen, you know, similar things with, uh, certain church leaders where it's like, Man, I think if you're, I think of the people that you're ministering to knew how you were um, around other ministers, they would be uncomfortable. Like, I don't think that they would uh, feel as comfortable relying on you or um, coming to you with concerns um, because knowing this, knowing your truth face. Um, you're not talking about me specifically. Oh, I am. No, oh. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that when, when ministers of the gospel and leaders and so on um, are found to be two-faced, are found to have more than one version of them, it destroys churches, it, it shipwrecks people's faith, it causes all kinds of, of problems. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they've got the secret them and then the real them. And a lot of times there's some other sin issue that is um, being hidden by this hypocrisy. Um, like maybe they're just, you know, complete gossip or whatever it is. Um, some sort of other sin issue is being hidden by this hypocrisy and the hypocrisy causes distrust and the sin issue causes actual damage, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that normally there would be a sin issue of some kind that is causing the necessity for them to yeah, have why would, that. Why would you ever be hypocritical if 
you had no sin in your life. Right. There would be absolutely no reason for it. Right. And yet we find, and, and with alarming frequency, leaders in the church, and, and look, it's not like it's different with leaders in the world, but we're not right. supposed to be like the world. Right. So leaders in the church who are caught um, having affairs, having alcohol or drug problems, um, you know, lying, cheating, stealing, stealing money, um, you know, being inappropriate, uh, in, in inappropriate sexual romantic relationships with other people, even if it's not a full affair, you know, that there, uh, there's an inappropriateness in the way that they're acting, you know, whatever it happens to be, you find these things out, it happens, it's not uncommon, and it certainly isn't uncommon among, in, in the world, and of course, that's what Paul is sort of, is sort of saying here, he's saying, the people who come in here, these teachers who come into Thessalonica and, and try to get you guys to follow their philosophies or their religions or whatever it is, they are like that. They are two-faced. They are out after, uh, they want your relationship without without paying the, the true price of relationship, which is honesty and authenticity. Mm-hmm. If you want real relationship, you have to be honest and authentic with the person. If you're anything but that, then what you have is a, is a mirage. It's not a real relationship. He's saying, we're not like that. But those people are, right? And then we have people now where we have to say the same thing about other other pastors, other ministers, other worship leaders, other, you know, whatever, where, you know, these people, they're out there, you know, and and you find out that they're doing these things and you have to say, that's not me. You know, mm-hmm. that's not me. And the only way, you know, to, to prove it is to be authentic and to be right. open with people and to show them with your life that you that you really are pouring yourself out for them. And that's another damage that hypocrisy does is that not only does it uh, discredit you, it discredits other people who are working for the same thing that you are, um, even if they have no affiliation with you. Um, if you both are Christian pastors, it's gonna be really hard for anybody to trust those other Christian pastors because you were two-faced to them. Um, and I realize that most of our listeners, listeners are not Christian pastors. So it's the same thing if you are interacting with um, coworkers or whoever it is in your life that you are trying to be a witness to, and they find out that you are a hypocrite, um, maybe they don't have to find out you're a hypocrite. Maybe they can just tell because you're one way with them and you're a different way with your church friends. Um, they're not going to trust you or any other Christian who's trying to minister to them because they've seen that you live two different ways and they don't want any part in that. Right. Well, and that's, I mean, if you think about the number of people out there who have what some people would call church hurt, right? Mm-hmm. They've been hurt somehow at church. Oftentimes it is, um, you know, there there are a number of different categories for this. Some is, some is just, there's a lot of harshness that sometimes or legalism or things like that. But a lot of times it's hypocrisy. A lot of right. times it's, you know, they acted like, they loved me or this was the case or whatever. But then I found out that they were dishonest. They were, you know, whatever they were after, they were just after my money or they were just after this. And so you have all these people who are suspicious of the church because of what leaders in the church have done in the past. Even though I think if you went and looked at the number of leaders out there, I'm not sure you would find it to be nearly as pervasive as I think people think it is. Right. But it only takes a little bit to make it feel mm-hmm. like this entire um, entity is, is untrustworthy. Right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't take a lot. You know, a little speck of black paint t- turns the whole, the whole white paint thing gray. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it does not take a lot to to poison the batch. And so, I you know, I, I feel for people who might look at Axe Church or another church. You know, that's that's that wants to be there for them. Wants to. 
you know, wants to minister to them and, and they're looking at it with kind of, kind of cockeyed because it's like, well, I'll come, I'll check this out, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to come open hearted and vulnerable because I'm, it's going to take X amount of time for me to trust, not just because I'm coming in neutral, but because I'm coming in assuming that there's shenanigans going on or that there are, Mm -hmm. you know, and oftentimes people have their own shenanigans going on. And when you have your own shenanigans going on, you tend to assume other people do too. Liars tend to assume everyone's a liar. Mm -hmm. Cheaters tend to assume everyone's a cheater. Mm -hmm. Um, If you've ever been around people or counsel people who are themselves liars, they will presume that other people in their life are always lying to them. Even Mm -hmm. though it's, it's not necessarily true at all, they're just presuming that people will act the same way that they would act. This is their perception of how people are. Right. That they're looking at their, themselves. Yeah. So that's what they assume. Yeah. Yeah. And so that so they presume that about they put that on everybody, including uh, you know leaders and churches and so on. And so and so you got I recognize I recognize that and Paul recognized it, which is why he's spending this time in First Thessalonians pointing it out. Um, and it's one of those things where Paul is by no means saying we're perfect. Uh, you know, we never make mistakes. Uh, we've treated every person with perfect uh, respect and, and dignity and whatever at all times and never made a mistake and never gotten mad. And I think that's not what his, his point. His point is, look, our heart is not about using you as a means to an end. And that's what you do when you're a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. When you're a hypocrite, you're saying you're not important enough to me. I don't love you enough. I don't care about you enough to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, I want, I, want your, I want the relationship or the friendship or whatever I get out of that, but I don't want to pay the, the price of authenticity for a real relationship. So I'll fake that. Assuming you're being authentic with me, I'm not being authentic with you. So I know the real you, but you don't know the real me. You only know a mask of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, yet I'm getting all the benefits of this friendship. You know, it's it's kind of like the old, uh, you know, don't why why pay for the cow when the milk is free or whatever type <laughs> stuff, which is extremely uh offensive but but it, but re- referencing whether whether it's from a male perspective or a female perspective referencing a person who's willing to sleep with someone have sex with someone who they're not married to um, whether that's the the man or the woman in that case each one is taking from the other something that they haven't paid for that the the price of sexual relationship is a commitment to a lifelong monogamous marriage mm-hmm. you know, between one man and one woman if you're not willing to pay that price you shouldn't be taking the, mm-hmm. the spoils in the same way with relationship the price of real relationship is authenticity is honesty if you're not willing to pay that price then you shouldn't be taking the benefits of that relationship you should be honest about the fact that you're essentially a liar mm-hmm. um and and certainly that was me you know i was i was a liar what you know when i was younger those those times when i was being different people for different things i was just a liar i was taking advantage of people which means i was using them as a means to an end mm-hmm. um and it's amazing what when you realize how valuable, a few times of being lied to yourself, a few times of uh, realizing people who weren't who they said they were, and you start to realize the value of honesty, and you start, and honesty starts to become something that's that's so valuable to you that you're willing to deal with the fact that some people might look bad, look at you badly if you're honest about who you are, or might or might not think the best of you, or or whatever it is, but having that honesty in the relationship is worth it to you, even though it's going to have some price. Mm-hmm. And so I, it sounds to me like you haven't had a lot of experience with that yourself. Um, but, you know, ha, have you seen people walk through that and come through it, which is to say maybe a friend of yours or whatever who would admit, hey, I used to really be dishonest or came to you and said, look, I've been really dishonest about who I am. This is what's going on. Or that's what's going on. And seeing the change in their life and, and the and the vibrancy of relationships after that period. Have you ever seen anything like that? Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've had a friend um, who 
uh, I pretty much had discounted him as a friend. I was like, I don't, I didn't see a desire to continue a friendship with him. Um, and he came to me and said, you know, I think I've, I've been, um, hypocritical. Um, and he didn't really have, he didn't tell me what exactly he was going through, but he was going through some things, um, and told me that he was working on those things and wanted to, um, continue our friendship basically is what he was asking for. And so, um, yeah, from there on out, um, he had gone through some, some pretty drastic life changes that, um, really made him a much more, uh, tolerable and, uh, um, trustworthy person. Yeah. It is nice to have friends that are tolerable. Yeah, um, that's that's all I have. You know what I like about you the most, Steve? You're just so you're tolerable. You are so tolerable. Yeah. I would I would go as to say very tolerable. <laughs> not fun, not exciting, not not great, but but tolerable. I mean, really, really tolerable. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I I think that when honesty is introduced where it hadn't once been, the chance for a real relationship to happen and thrive is there. Um, and so I hope that those who listen to this or whatever who have had church hurt, who have had hurt within their friends and so on, recognize that, of course, all you can ever do is be honest on your own side. You can never know what's in someone else's heart. It's impossible. Right. You know, your, your wife uh, could be completely faking you out. Um, I could be completely faking you. You could be completely faking me out. You could be completely faking your wife out. Whatever. There's there's always the chance that what's inside someone's heart is not what's on their face. Mm-hmm. And so that you know, there's always you're always in a position in any relationship you are opening yourself up to the potential the potential for hurt. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you should avoid relationship because you're also opening yourself up to the potential for joy and and what Paul talks about the glory of those who you pour into. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean. You want to look at an example of that? It's you know Christ. You know he was he put himself in a very vulnerable spot, um, willingly, um, knowing that we might reject him, that we probably were going to kill him, knowing that um, we would reject. Him. Right? Yeah. Um, and and yet still saw it worthwhile to put himself in that vulnerable position. Right. Um, so I mean, if you need an example, and it, and it's shown to this day to have been worthwhile. Now you know. Over the last 2,000 years, there are, you know, a billion people who have chosen to follow him and have found life in him and salvation and Mm -hmm. grace and peace. And so, uh, you know, for him, it was for the joy, that joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, right? And so in the same way... You know, we disciple people as as leaders in the church and and just as brothers and sisters in Christ. We spend time discipling people and pouring into them. And when we do that in authenticity, we are building in them. They become our joy. They become they become the thing that's worth the pain because there is pain. Anytime you're building a relationship, anything you're, anytime you're pouring into somebody, just like with kids, getting up every two hours for however, you know, depending on your kid, some kids don't get a full night's sleep for years. Mm-hmm. In a couple of years, so you you literally have not slept a full night in a couple of years, you know. Mm-hmm. But that pain is worth the joy that's set before you, which is the this this child who's going to become, uh, you know, someday a, a woman or a man that you know you're going to get to pour into and enjoy the relationship with, and so on. Uh, for Christ, it was worth the joy of bringing us to salvation relationship with Him. For us in ministry, the the pain of the like any like anything. There are good sides and bad sides, or there are good sides and toilsome sides. Let's just say right. the the toil is worth it when you see the um, the benefit that the person who you've poured into and who you've discipled has grown in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, 
The opposite sometimes happens too. You pour into somebody. Sometimes people you pour into what seems like the most, you actually don't ever get to see the fruit of. It may come, but you don't get to see it. You end up being betrayed by them. They end up, you know, whatever. That's why some people get jaded in ministry and end up and end up doing things they ought not to do or, 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 or walking away from the ministry as a, as a calling is because there are people who you pour intense amounts into who completely take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are people who you pour into and you, and you see the growth and you see the, you know, there's real relationship there. There's honesty. There's, there's all those things and you see them grow. And so I'll ask you, I mean, your, your life in ministry is not extremely long, but you know, it's, it, you've, you've had now some time to sort of, pour into some people. Let me ask you, what's your experience of that? Have you, you know, let's take it back to like youth group and, and, and forward. Are there people who you've poured into in terms of discipleship, who you've gotten to see the Lord work in their lives? Yeah. Um, definitely uh, have seen that happen. Um, and I've seen, you know, I've seen both sides. I've seen people, um, I don't think anyone has necessarily, like you were saying, like, betrayed me or anything like that. I don't think anyone's um, completely turned on me. Like, I, I don't think I had many friends who would, you know, just turn on me in school or whatever um, to benefit themselves, you know, like make mm-hmm. fun of me because um, it was going to somehow benefit them to make fun of me in front of these people or whatever. But I did, uh, I, I saw people who um, I put a lot of effort into just kind of um, walk away from any interest in in God, and you know that's that's a very real possibility of doing ministry that um, someone you're uh, ministering to is going to. I mean, they're not, it feels like rejecting you, but they're rejecting Christ, um, and and that is Christ's issue to deal with, not your own. Um, but I've definitely seen both sides of it, where um, you get that joy of of now you have a new brother and sister, brother or sister in Christ, um, and you are um, able to enjoy the reward of that, which is basically, um, a new coworker in a way, you know, towards the, the goal of, of evangelizing the world. And, uh, just that relationship that you have with that person as a result of, of the uncomfortable, um, work you did, um, like you said earlier, toilsome work you might've done, um, just trying to, uh, see this person grow. Um, so yeah, both sides of, of that coin I have seen. Um, I don't, but I don't feel like I've had somebody do a full betrayal of me or anything like that mm-hmm. before, but I know, you know, it's, it's well, a I potential. Hope it never happens to you. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. It's unlikely, but yeah. <laughs> I, I hope it never happens. I mean, there are people who have become expert at manipulating mm-hmm. and at getting what they want through that manipulation, whether that's your time, your money, your effort, your energy, whatever. And once they've used you up, they have no interest in actually growing and actually doing those things. They'll use you up and then they'll, and then they'll reject you, spit you out because you have nothing left to give. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's just the nature of the world and people. And that's what people are afraid of. Uh, You know, that's what people, some people are afraid of relationship. Look, uh, it's become way too easy to just sit around on Facebook. Um, You know, you got your Netflix, you got your Facebook, you sit around and your interactions with other human beings are not relationship. They're reading the posts and posting your own stuff. And that's not friendship. That's not relationship. That is, that's passive, uh, 
that's voyeurism. <laughs> You're like looking into someone's life like a peeping Tom and, and letting them do the same for you. That is not the same thing as a real relationship where you have to give to somebody. And, and look, for all the whatever of people using Facebook as an opportunity to give to different charities. I've seen that a lot more lately. Um, that's great, but that's not the kind of giving I'm talking about. You know, if you're not, if you're not there for people who are in need, if you're not, if someone's sick or going through something, you're not bringing a meal, you're not, you're not going and letting them talk or cry on your shoulder. You're not involved in people's lives. You're not giving and you're not in relationship. You know, you, you may be have acquaintances. You may like to say hi to people, but if you're not available for people, to truly engage with them, that's not a relationship. But when you are there and you and you do that, you're opening yourself up for the fact that you could be doing that and having it not uh, reap the benefits that you're expecting. Uh, providentially for us, God looks on our heart and sees when we do the right thing, whether or not that person ultimately betrays us or whatever. And it could be that, that, that you pour into somebody, they betray you, um, leave the faith and whatever, and come back later remembering all that you've done for them. I mean, this is kind of the, I mean, how many teachers, you know, elementary school, junior high, high school, kindergarten, whatever, have gone through and, and had students in their classes who just, they, they from what they could see, they didn't learn a thing, they didn't care, they were difficult, they were abusive, they were oppressive, they were, you know, loud, they were, you know, all these things, just bad student. And then 30 years later, you know, you think, I didn't even make an impact on this kid at all, and 30 years later they come back and they're like, Mrs. So-and-so was the best teacher ever, and the fact that she had so much patience with me when I was just a little turd, uh, you know, it, it made such a difference, and now I'm the pastor of a megachurch, you know, or whatever, like, you don't know what the impact is, even when somebody treats you poorly, that you have by just living as, as Paul says, he lived here um, like a nursing mother, or like a, an encouraging father, which is to say, not looking for anything from people, just looking to love and looking to give. There's a reward in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a reward you simply will not get when you're two-faced. It just won't happen. Right. Um, in fact, what's going to happen is ultimately you're trying to ride a fence and you're going to land on it. Um, and that's going to be uncomfortable uh, because Ultimately, your, your, your worldly quote-unquote friends will reject you because you're not worldly enough. And your, your friends who are believers will reject you because you're, you're faking being a believer. I don't mean that they'd actually reject you, like not love you anymore. I mean, they'll, they will reject the fact that, because you will find, everything that's done in the dark is coming to the light. Mm. So they will reject the fact that you are not who you say you are. Um, and and will hold you accountable to either become who you say you are or to or to be gone, you know, from their from their lives because uh, nobody wants to be around a faker. Nobody respects that. All you do is hurt yourself and hurt others, um, and all because people recognize that you're using them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know if that's happened to you before with other people where. At the end of the day, you realize you were just talking about this friend who you didn't really want to be friends with anymore. Mm-hmm. At some level, there's a couple of reasons why you might not want to be friends with somebody. Uh, they've turned into someone who is interested in doing things that that no longer converge with your interests. Um, you know, you guys used to go play disc golf all the time, and then the person doesn't want to play disc golf anymore. They want to go play real golf. Um, and so, hey, there's nothing for us to do together anymore. Okay, <laughs> that can happen. Or they start getting into things that you think are unhealthy or, or, or bad for you or whatever. Or you start realizing that they're fake, um, that, mm-hmm. that they're using you. Uh, that third one is the one that, that I'd ask you about. I mean, have you had friends where you realized what I'm getting from this person is manipulative and fake and, and for my own health and so on, I have to actually back away from this relationship. Has that happened with you? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. 
um, how much it was manipulative or if it was just, well, I, I guess in a way a little manipulative, but you know, um, just, I could tell it was damaging to me and it was uh, unhealthy for for him and for me. And so I said, you know what, I, I think, you know, I'm not, I don't like hate you. I don't like never want to talk to you again, but I, I'm just not going to pursue uh, a friendship that I think is going to end up harming me um, in the long run, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that at the end of the day, that's, that's the way we feel um, in those situations. So I guess, I guess what Paul is, is trying to really bring out here and what, what I think is important for us is there's great reward and there's great joy and glory in, in true, honest, open, authentic relationship. Um, and there is, and there is the absolute opposite with when you don't do that, when you, when you're fake at the end of your life, if you have to sit there and be like, nobody really knew me because I played like this to my wife and this to my you know, brother and this to the guys at work and this to the ladies at the, 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 the you know, thing and this to the people in the church and this to, and nobody really knew who I was because with everybody I was dishonest. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting here in this position of sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop when everybody figures out who I really am. Um, and no one is going to really like me for who I am mm-hmm. because nobody really knows me and the me that I've put out that they like isn't the real me. That's got to be an incredibly, as time goes on, that's got to be an incredibly uncomfortable position to be in. Mm. Um, and of course, the, the good news and the hope in all this is that you don't have to continue to live like that. Uh, you know, you can, you can choose to be honest with about who you are today. Uh, I'm not talking about, you know, earlier we talked about the difference between being respectful. I right. don't think that you, that you should be disrespectful, but you can be honest about who you are. Deal with the fact that, yes, some people are going to be mad at you that you've been a liar and you've been two-faced and you've been a hypocrite. And you may even lose some relationships, but they weren't real relationships in the first place because you ruined that opportunity. Mm-hmm. But others are going to be, have grace and, and appreciate that level of honesty and be refreshed by it. And, and you'll get to step into a real relationship where you're, where you're not worried. I don't know how I would sleep at night if I was still the way I was when I was a young man. Right. I mean, I just don't think I could sleep at night. I'd be, I'd be so worried all the time that people were going to figure out who I really was. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I and I'd be so sad about the fact that my relationships were based on such nonsense. Um, and 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 God doesn't want that for anybody. You know, part of turning to the Lord is is turning away from that and and trusting God enough that you can live honestly and mm-hmm. openly. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, my experiences, I think I've probably seen, I mean, being one myself and, and I think plenty of people, um, you know, where, where that, yeah, it was certainly the case, you know, you're one way at, at church, you're going to say one thing in front of the youth pastor, but you're going to say something completely different when you're at school the next day, the way that you talk about sexual morality at church and at school is going to be very different. <laughs> the way that you talk about uh, substance abuse at church and at school is going to be very different. The way that you, uh, you know, treat people, the way that you, uh, you know, whatever, they're just different because, mm. you know, you've somehow justified. I mean, how many, you know, let's, let's take, you know, a very serious issue. It's, I don't know if these surveys are correct, but there's a pretty substantial percentage, they say, of pastors who look at pornography, mm-hmm. you know, who, who are addicted to it or regularly look at pornography. You, you simply cannot be a pastor and be ministering to people and be addicted to pornography. I mean, you just can't do it. If you're if you're doing it, you're you're, you're fake. Yeah, you're yeah. a hypocrite, right? You're a liar. Um, because at the end of the day, the using you know uh, 
taking part in using pornography and and all that goes along with that and and satisfying yourself sexually while looking at images of of people is is one of the most disrespectful mm-hmm. things that you can do it shows it shows an intense level of disrespect for humanity right um and if you have that level of dis- and you may convince yourself that no it's just something to do for fun or whatever but you know at the end of the day that the reason you feel guilty when when you're done doing that is because at the end of the day you have you have spit on mm-hmm. god's creation right. of human beings and you and you are completely um, you know, exploiting. De- yes, that. you're devaluing. You're exploiting human beings that are somebody's daughter, somebody's mom, somebody's sister. You know, somebody's. They have a name. They're a human being. They're a person, uh, or somebody's husband, or somebody's son, or somebody. You know, it's not like pornography is just women. Um, you know, this is a human being who not only is valuable in in of themselves, but that. You are the other people around you in your life. You would never disrespect this way. Yet you're willing to do that to some person on the screen. Mm-hmm. If that's going on, you are showing that that your your view of of the value of human beings is very broken. Mm-hmm. And if that's your view of the value of human beings, and you're on Sunday preaching a sermon. Mm-hmm. You know, to to the same, you know, different people, not the people who happen to be in those pictures, but they're somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Your you are you cannot do both things now now i'm not saying god can't use anybody anytime for any reason he wants i'm not saying that if you got saved uh, you know under the teaching of a pastor who was you know cheating on his wife or days of pornography or whatever um that it's not worthwhile of course that's that's between you and god but that but that person is not building rewards that person mm-hmm. is not is not moving forward with the lord in fact that person is is digging themselves deeper more wood hay and stubble and the things the works that will burn up right. um and and it and you will suffer loss over those things so you know it, it's it's so what paul's bringing up here is such a big deal and so uh dangerous to not listen to him mm-hmm. you know when he's talking to the, to the thessalonians and making these points about who he is he's saying this is who we all need to be as believers we all need to be this because we're all supposed to be discipling we're all supposed to be making disciples that's the great commission and we cannot be making disciples meanwhile we have all this darkness that we're hiding from people um you know repent of the darkness be done with it uh, be honest about where you fail and and be authentic mm. and and you can expect reward and you can expect joy and you can expect glory and you can expect a real relationship um, but if you have the other thing going on um you know whatever that is whatever's hidden back there be it in in word thought or deed um that's that's keeping it separating you from the lord um and that you're hypocritical about hiding you can expect the opposite you can expect to have wood hay and stubble that's all going to burn mm-hmm. um and so i mean that's the other part of this is kind of that rewards talk i mean i don't know how much you were taught on that growing up um, but paul seems to be making a very clear um reference to that in this section where he's talking about these people, you know, essentially looking at like the the thing the 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 things that are going to last and aren't going to burn up are these relationships, are these discipleship relationships with people, and we should want to have as much as possible when we get to see the Lord and be able to say, here are all these here are all these people that I poured into, here are all these people that I discipled, here are all these people that I that I loved without hypocrisy, without hiding anything. Here I was loving these people, and that those are the that those are the things that can be the gold, silver, and precious stones. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's your thought on that? Yeah, no, that's it's definitely not something that um, I was taught on a lot growing up. Uh, my church and uh, a lot of churches that I went to uh, were, f- just, I think, 
don't know if they saw that as controversial, but anyway, they didn't teach a lot on, um, you know, a, a sense of reward um, in in heaven for for what how we spent our time on earth. Um, but yeah, that's it's definitely uh, an interesting thing to think about about how we are going to be held accountable. I, I think coming from the churches that I came from, I just think about you know salvation like either in or out but then for us believers we shouldn't be concerned about salvation we we are assured of that um but we are um striving to be the best servants that we can be um in christ um to show him our love for him and then that he will return that with um with his love uh and does while we're i mean that's not even a future thing that's a now thing too yeah um so yeah yeah, there, I mean, there's some pretty serious talk about uh, stewardship and reward um, that that Jesus talked about, that Paul talks about. I think it's First mm-hmm. Corinthians three. Uh, I think we read it in that last sermon, um, the section on that. Uh, I don't, I don't have any doubt in my mind that you know the Holy Spirit is powerful and will work through us, and that yes, salvation is incredibly important, but but it's not the end; um, it's the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. That, you know, salvation, baptism, and then learning to do all that he's commanded, which means, you know, more and more allowing the Holy Spirit living, being in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. And as we do that, uh, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to ultimately, even the reward section says, but God gave the increase, right? Mm-hmm. You're doing the work that God is 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 working through you to do in his Holy Spirit, um, your spirit and the Holy Spirit, you know, empowered, you know, killing the flesh, sowing to the Spirit, moving forward. But there's no question that those who are faithful, with little, are going to be con- are going to be given the opportunity to be faithful with much. I mean, uh, you know, I've I've said this before. I don't know if I'm on this podcast, um, but I'm I'm sure in a sermon. You know, we're not going to be sitting on clouds with harps and diapers. You know, we're going to have things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, heaven is not about you know singing songs the whole time and doing nothing. It's about there's real work to do. We weren't we weren't made for nothing we, we were made to be in real relationship and to be truly involved in in a dynamic adventuresome life right and that and and the the level to which we are showing ourselves to love jesus and to and to be close to him and to whatever is going to affect the the it, let's put it like this eternal life started when you got saved Mm-hmm. It's already going on. Like mm-hmm. there's things to there's joys to experience now. There's things to experience now, and so much more later. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know those are those who are who are working hard, who are sustaining, who are who are being faithful to the end, who are running the race, who are beating their body into submission, who are doing those things, are already experiencing the joys of closeness with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like somebody said, you know, if you don't if you don't like worshiping. You know, uh, if you, you're like, I'm not into worshiping God, I'm not into, you know, whatever. You're not going to like heaven. If in fact, worship is this, this time where we're trying to connect to praising the Lord and, and being close to him, whatever. If you don't like that, if you're against that, if that's not whatever, I, why would you even want to be in heaven? Because mm-hmm. not because we're going to be singing worship songs all the time, but because in every, in every part of us, we're going to be worshiping and everything that mm-hmm. we do, every, every right. fiber of our being is going to be about worshiping and being close to God and being in a real relationship. Um, and so we're starting that now and the, and the rewards, that's just, it's not like it's one thing and then the other. That's just an extension of, of the expectation that we have as we pour more and more and more into Christ. And in order to do that, coming back to, to what we were talking about the, through this podcast, in order to do that, in order to experience that, 
there can't be dissimulation. There can't be fakeness. There can't be, um, you can't equivocate. You, you got to be one side or the other. Um, you can't be two people. You can't be 10 people. You got to just be you and continually, continually becoming more and more and more you and more and more and more who God made you every day, figuring out as, as Dr. David uh, Robinson, our elder talks about every, every day, finding new reasons why you were born, finding new reasons why God created you. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, that is the life and the adventure of being in Christ. And it can't happen effectively if we're, if we're not even ourselves. Right. Um, and which is why I think Paul is really focused in on this, on this aspect. I mean, he spends some real time you know, really separating himself from the other teachers, from the other people, from the fake people, from the hypocrites, and 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 being honest because that's what verifies the message of the gospel, mm-hmm. and and then all the rest of it flows from that. So, um, any final thoughts on on this issue, Hunter? No, no, I think we went through it all. Okay, I'm sure we could say a lot more, but we'll uh, we'll let the folks uh, go on to the to the next episode there. Um, and so um, we appreciate you y'all listening and. Hopefully, we may be taking a break for a couple of weeks for for Christmas. I don't know. We may get back and get one and get one out there next week. We'll see. Um, but uh, until then, uh, we love you and we hope that uh, you're growing in the Lord. Let's pray, Father. I just thank you for being good to us. I thank you that we are have the opportunity to be honest because regardless of everyone rejects us, regardless of everyone sees what, what the wickedness in our heart and rejects us, you see it and give us grace and separate it as far as East is from West and clean it and, and, and take it away and make our heart as white as snow. And Lord, we ask that you would create in us a clean and a new heart. Um, you renew a right spirit within us, Lord, that you would not cast us away from your presence, but that, that we would be so close to you, Lord, as David prays in Psalm 51. Lord, we've all, we've all done things that we're ashamed of. Don't let those things keep us from honest and, and full relationship with others. Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd be with us and help us to drop those things aside and help us to be willing to just be honest and be who we are so that we can experience the fullness of you in the fullness of us and what you've created us to be. And, and you love us so much, Lord. And we, and no matter what we do, Lord, we're just unprofitable servants. Uh, we're, we're not, none of us are, are going to become superstars because you are the only superstar. Uh, but we want to be your friends and we want to be your children. We want to love you and we want to, and we want to be close to you. And we want to have that experience, that relationship that you have with us. We want to have it with others. Um, we want to be, we want to be Christ to uh, the church and to those who are coming into the, into those in the world who, who are being drawn to you. We want you to, to work through us, to show your love to others. And so we pray that you do that and that we would, uh, we would give you the opportunity or the, uh, the, we would give you a clean slate to work with that was not full of lies and not full of two-facedness and not full of hypocrisy. Um, but, but vulnerable, authentic, and willing to love others well. We love you, Lord. We pray for those who are in need. We pray for those who are um, sick, who are dealing with disease, who are dealing with death. Uh, we pray that you would be with, with all of those today who need that, Lord. And we just pray that they would be extra close to you. In your name, amen. Well, thanks for going through that with us. We hope you got a lot out of it. Um, again, if you haven't heard the sermon, um, you can back up a couple of uh, weeks in our um, podcast stream, and there should be one on First Thessalonians 2, 7b through 20. Um, and it's all about um, being authentic and how Paul was authentic to uh, the Thessalonians. Um, it's really important. I hope that you are able to look at your own life and see how you can be more authentic and less hypocritical um, so that you can live life 
um, to the fullest, that you can be fully engaged in loving people and ministering to them uh, because that's not just something that uh, the paid pastors in a church are supposed to do. That's something that any um, Christian who has given their life to Christ um, is called to do, is called to love others, um, to be vulnerable and to love others in a way that um, they will be pointed to Christ. Um, And speaking of Christ, he was the most amazing example of this by coming down from heaven, um, being fully present with us, um, even unto death, so that we could be with him. Um, So that's a pretty powerful example and inspiration for us to follow um, along with Paul and and all the other apostles that you can um, look at in scripture. Um, Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you again later.